There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening, all my witch people? I'm sitting here today with one of my favorite people in this world, KC Smith. We are driving back from the Gila. Um, I got one word. It's a word for the day here, and it is rugged. That's the word for the day. I thought Uh, it was going to be refreshness. No, it's not. It's it's an R (laughs) word. It's not refreshness. That was a word of the trip, though. Rugged is, is the word. Um, Casey, days six and seven were probably the low points of this trip. The hunt days, six and seven. Yeah. Um, day six of the hunt, you and I had officially left the deep part of the Gila wilderness. We walked out. Well, let's just, I guess, hit the end of day five, too, because it's kind of grouped in there. Sure. But we were leaving the Gila wilderness. Uh, day five, day five, late, and uh, leaving in despair, and trying to find another place to go. And uh, late that night, Tyler and I drove to another mesa on another side of the unit, and parked and slept in the truck, which was terrible for me at that point in time. I got better at it as the trip went on, um, and decided to bomb into this place called Iron Creek. And um, at Iron Creek, you have to cross the Hilita Creek, which is like the little Gila. So you're thinking, oh, MBD, it's not going to be too bad. Uh, no, it's not true. Um, I think what we end up losing 250 foot vertical foot, which we've done a lot more than that throughout the trip. It just yeah. so happens that um, straight down. Yeah, straight down, straight up. But we did find raspberries. Yeah, that there was, was a cool. ton of. I mean, it was thick, like 
it was it was like basically like rock slides in uh, what do, what do people call that kind of country scree? up north? Scree. It was yeah. like scree, but it, but the rocks were bigger than what you would think of as scree. Um, and there was a ton of vegetation, including the raspberries that you were talking about, mm-hmm. uh, that made it really tough. So we were trying to navigate that whole situation in the dark. Uh, it took forever to get down to the Hilita, and then back up uh, was a pretty good little haul, too. And there was elk sign when we got there to the was. top right there. We we found, like, some pretty fresh tracks and then a few rubs right there at the top. And then the rest of the day consisted of Tyler and I walking through picturesque, like, elk film-worthy uh what a ponderosa pine flats and stuff yeah it was like it was like weird because there was a ton of grass it was like a meadow but there was like ponderosas everywhere and this stuff had all burned so something we learned (laughs) on this trip is that ponderosa doesn't burn like the pinion and juniper and all that other stuff burns up the ponderosa survives the fire so when a fire goes through you have nothing ponderosa left so we hunted all day and didn't hear a peep of an elk uh, well, not all day, I suppose. It was three-quarters of a day. But either way, found hardly any fresh sign at all. No elk and, like, <clears throat> covered, like, four and a half miles up there on top of Iron Creek Mesa. And then we decided to bail out of there because it just was not going to be worth messing around in too much more. You know, we kind of get to a point in a hunt where you feel like you're wasting time. And that's what we were doing there is, you know, we were checking something off a list. Yeah, you know, like, well, that's not the place to go. But, my goodness, sometimes being able to check a box like that takes three hours worth of hiking time, you know, mm-hmm. plus some extra hunting. But where did we go after we left Iron Creek? Um, we went back um, to where we had kind of camped the night before, mm. and we ended up going to um, – so when we went to the backcountry on the first day, we... This is the day before season opened. Yes. The day before the season opened, we went into the backcountry. As we, like, crested this hill, the first hill, into the wilderness, we saw a bull with cows. Casey spotted it, like, two miles away, and uh, it was in this kind of, like, what you would consider as being... We call it open country, but it's, like, you know, meadow-type stuff with... Um, a little bit of pinion and a lot of juniper uh, kind of spread out throughout it, but you could see big swaths of grass. And so we saw a bull there. Well, so after... We were stoked. We were like, oh, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah, we were like, yeah. oh, this is going to be easy. You know, we're, we're going to go to the backcountry and kill a bull if we can see them here in the front. And so um, anyway, on day six, when we left Iron Creek, we drove back uh, to kind of where we kept the night before and decided that... Um, because... Uh, let's touch on that bull a little bit more. We had seen him while we were leaving. Oh yeah, the right. second time. Yeah, so we seen him twice. We patterned this bull yeah. pretty much in the same area. Saw him twice on the same part of the trail, and so we thought, okay, well, it's getting kind of late in the hunt. We're at the point where like we'd like to just shoot a bull um, and take some meat home, and so we went to. Uh, after Iron Creek, we went back to this place to, to uh, try to scout this bull. And so we made this kind of plan to uh, cross over public land, but uh, a different unit that we were, then we were hunting into our unit, uh, which was, I think all in all, you said it was about a mile and a half to get to our glassing spot, mm-hmm. right? And um, Which seemed like nothing compared yeah. to some of the other stuff we did. Oh, super easy. And, and it was a lot of grassland walking, you know. So um, not a bad deal. Uh, got up in there and... We 
I saw the bull. You did. We, we sat there for a while, kind of, you know, messed around a little bit, told some jokes or whatever, ate some snacks, and then, you know, about the time you expect some animals to get moving, I saw the bull. Mm-hmm. And then KC saw something. And then. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe uh, I saw I, I guess you I saw, saw him, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we see the bull. Him and his cows are moving towards the grasslands. They're like, uh, I get on Onyx and start looking, and they're like 1.8 miles from us, and it's just too much distance for me to cover and get there and, and actually be able to make a play on the animals with the amount of time left in the day. So we're like, okay, well, we'll just know kind of that's where they come out at, you know, make a plan for tomorrow. Well, about that time, we'll start kind of planning for the future. Tyler sees a greenish-brown blob start to walk directly across the meadow towards the elk. So there was a couple, There was a camp down at the end of this road that we had taken to get to this glassing spot. We, we stopped like halfway up, um, and these guys apparently had made the same pattern or just happened to see the bull that night that we did. It's crazy to me that like over the period of uh, – you know, six or seven days, we see this bull twice, and suddenly, the same day, we want to go in there and maybe try to put a move on him. Some other people also do it, yeah, much more successfully than we did. <laughs> um, we watched the high stakes drama play out for probably twenty minutes while these guys like kind of creep across the pasture, hide behind a juniper, and call. And this bull, what? How much? He probably covered 200 yards. Like, we're thinking, we see these guys set up, we're like, oh, this ain't going to work, dude. you got to get way closer than that. No. They call this bull once, and he just starts walking their way. Do-do-do-do-do. going to leave my cows. And uh, long story short, I don't think they ever got a shot at him. I think he got to be about 60 yards from two of the guys, and he ended up getting kind of weird or something and uh, spooked out. And then... Uh, they got so dark we couldn't tell kind of the final yeah. uh, end of that. He never really he never really ran too much like out of there, so that's kind of why we assumed he didn't get shot. Yeah. Um, he, he like galloped for, you know, 30 yards or whatever, and then the rest of the time he just walked back to his cows, which was something that was interesting to be noted on this trip. We'll kind of come back to the fact that he was able to be called away from his cows. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely an interesting sight. Yeah, so we kind of had a whole hum evening because of that. It was cool to see him, but then we're like, well, dead gummit, those guys are in there hunting him. And uh, we kind of had this idea where where he came out was a different spot than we'd seen him the first time. So we're like, okay, well, maybe they'll come out in a different spot tomorrow morning because those guys pressured him. Well, we got up the next morning, got up there, and really good time. It was beautiful, beautiful place to sit. You know, mountains all over the place. We're looking at um, the mountain that we climbed in the back country the whole time, thinking, what were we doing? Uh, that kind of thing. And um, Tyler spots a couple deer, and we don't see any elk. And then we hear, down at the bottom. And we're like, okay, those guys are in there, in the woods, trying to get after um, that bull. So pretty much... That's when we wrote that spot off, too, and decided mm-hmm. we had to go f- try to find something different. Yep, for sure. So yeah. then we did go try to find something different, and we went a long ways. We did. Way oh. too far. <laughs> Speaking of uh, wasting time, uh, if you see highways in New Mexico, it does not mean paved road. No. No, not no. at all. Um we got to figure out what WSC means. It means work center. Uh, <laughs> so we went 
to the far, far northeastern corner of our unit. And uh, I started looking on a map, you know, I'm looking at the elevation, like, ah, it's going to be kind of tough country, but, you know, we'll go, and it's kind of, it's real remote, it's a lot different than what we're used to, it's going to be really, like, much more of the Central Rockies-looking stuff. Well, we get there, and we have to take this back county road. How far, dude? Was it, like, I don't know, I don't know if far, we ever looked at miles. But I can tell you the time that it took from the time that we left. It took... Basically, we got down endless roads so far that from the time we left our campsite to the time that we ate lunch and decided like we were tired of this bumpy road, it was two and a half hours. And then, and then we another still had thirty minutes, probably of another thirty minutes yeah. of driving. Yeah, and that's all on like a two track. Yeah. So it was like twelve miles an hour most of the time, but a lot of that was accompanied with wildlife and a ton of elk sign, mm-hmm. which. It was like a three-hour drive of hype, right? And you're like, oh, we made the right choice. This is so good. We are in the wrong unit at the moment, but we're fixing to pop over into our unit. It's going to be awesome. Well, we're seeing big rubs and stuff all along this road. We're driving along. We get to the top of the trailhead where we enter our unit into the wilderness, and there's a couple trucks there, but it doesn't look like it's getting a ton of pressure, so we're stoked. Well, the trail in... It's pretty easy for the first mm, three-quarters of a mile. And then suddenly, it's like, I don't know if you've uh, ever watched, like, Lord of the Rings or anything, but, like, whenever they're going down the river and then suddenly, like, those two guys are stand, or statues are on the side and they're like, open up. And that's what it did for us. The sides of the mountains opened up and... It was like we were in the Swiss Alps. It was. I was just going to say that. <laughs> it like, was so steep. Dude, it was just like these steep, conical, you know, mountains that basically, you know, we we were looking at from up high, but facing this, like, downhill switchback, switchback to go down into the middle of this river valley between all these Swiss Alps. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was bad. So we look at these tall mountains and we are like i don't know if we can do this but we're already there so tyler and i look at each other and say ah how bad can it be uh we decide we're going to try to go to this one little side drainage that's just right off the main trail and uh, we kind of start walking to that it's only going to be just a little short jaunt over there well wouldn't you know uh that drainage actually is a waterfall and it's like a 20 foot drop even to get to the creek so that's a no-go so we decided to start descending this trail and and we're dropping and we're dropping and we're dropping and i don't know how many was it like 400 feet or something like that it was quite a bit it was a long way down in there you're the map guy i couldn't tell you any of that but it was way down it was way down and i think that where the trail entered was like like a saddle in the mountains anyway so Mm -hmm. like it was way deeper than what the the trailhead was well we get down to the bottom and we're kind of in despair because of how deep it is and how steep the banks are and like don't get me wrong i told tyler a bunch during this trip like i kind of like to be tough but there's just so much i can actually do you know like it's something like in me i was like yeah i like to do things that are tough because i'm a tough guy but that gum, that was just too much. I mean, we were not going to be able to hunt elk on those slopes. So we say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk up here. There's a part of the canyon that's a touch not as steep where there's kind of a bottom to it or whatever. 
and we're going to set up a tent. Uh, we only brought one tent in to save some weight. Yep. Uh, so we were bunking up that night, so we set up a tent. The best pitch we've ever done, by the way, I think. It was beautiful. Thanks to you. Uh, nah, I think it, uh, your um, staking was very nice. Um, oh. You had a wood stake in there. I that did. It was nice. You broke it. It was nice. No. <laughs> uh, and uh, so we get tent set up quick. We're, we're kind of hype, honestly, at this point because we'd seen a little bit of elk sign in the bottom and stuff. And, oh, by the way, uh, there were Gila trout everywhere <laughs> in this little r- creek that was in there. I don't remember the name of the, name of the creek, but Gila trout going nuts. So we, uh, like, found some worms and stuff. We're throwing them to them. And it was freaking cool. And Tyler and I were like, okay, let's go hunt. So we pack up a little bit of stuff, and we head to this canyon that we kind of map scouted out. It was probably, I don't know, three miles from the truck, something like that, with a bunch of elevation loss. And then we're going to gain quite a bit, and I kind of map out this little thing. We're going to walk over the saddle and get over into the side drainage and this and that. Well, pretty much, Tyler and I walk our faces off over a crap ton of deadfall, um, and bugle a ton, and we don't hear a peep or see any fresh-ish elk sign at all, right? Other than on the trail. Other than on the trail, there's some there elk was tracks. Fresh, there was quite a bit of fresh, fresh tracks right on the trail, which the canyon's steep, so, I mean, I can kind of understand why they're walking down there, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't, uh, basically, it was, it was a bunch of hiking up and down mountains, and, uh, I think you did find a pretty decent mule deer shed that we left on the mountain. Yeah, um, that's right. I will say that this, day six and seven, this guy over here does not get down. He's one of the most optimistic people, <laughs> probably the most optimistic person that I know. And and he was like a different person on those two days. He was, he was very frustrated and a little bit just like, this is not quite what we thought a Gila tag would be, you know, uh, at this point. And so... Um, I remember when we were doing the Gila trout stuff, we kind of, it was a nice little break to kind of feed them and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but I kept thinking, man, we need to get to hunting. We need to get to hunting. Yeah. And you know, it's your hunt. So I try not to be saying anything like that or whatever. And, uh, I could just remember you just kind of like thinking, and then you'd go find a worm and you'd pinch them in <laughs> half and throw them to the Gila trout and they would eat it. And then you'd think for a little bit and you'd look at a map. Then you'd go find a grub and you'd throw it in there and the Gila trout would eat it. And then you'd watch them and then we'd try to get video of them eating it. And it was just like, we wasted a lot of time in there uh, doing that. And it was probably well needed. But I do think, I, would, I was thinking at the time, like, man, we should have been hunting. But I just think that your mental state was different than it started... And you started to get out of that that evening, I think. Yeah. And that's when we decided, after we did the hike, uh, we started <laughs> heading out down like this this hog's back, and there was deadfall everywhere. We were like having to like figure out which hog's back we could actually work down, and we go, uh, we're we're like walking across deadfall, and there's like this kind of end of this tree, and KC, uh, he jumps off it or whatever and i i'm back behind him a little bit so when i go to jump on it uh, or step on it it starts cracking immediately and i've got nowhere to go and so it just quickly like disintegrates underneath me and i go rolling down the hill and apparently casey was pretty worried about it i was i was was like oh no i'm about to have to try to catch this guy (laughs) he weighs about 250 right now with his pack on (laughs) like actually probably not that much but uh a lot 
and we're both going to go rolling down the hill. And I was worried that you were like, had broke something already at that point in time. And then I hear you laugh, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess he's all right. Yeah, I figured, I figured out I stopped myself Look pretty quick. Look at that big mule deer right there. I, uh, I didn't see him very good. He's going. I'm a little bit blinded. <laughs> uh, so I... Uh, I was like, and I had a bunch of, you know, obviously some stuff in my pack, but I'm like, man, the last thing I'm doing is landing on my face on uh, deadfall and yeah. stuff. So I turned over like a cat, you know, instead of landing on my feet, I landed on my back with my backpack guarding me. So I felt good. But, uh, yeah, so we, we decided uh, right before that that we were actually going to walk out. We had already pitched our tent. We, we were going to walk out and uh, all the way out that night. So we did, and I don't know what time we got back up to the truck. But it was way dark, and um, we had some we had some good talks that night, man. We did, man. We did. We talked a lot about worship and a lot about just you know spiritual stuff about like what what church means to us and stuff. It was it was a good night, you yeah. know. I think that sometimes like whenever you're just in a total just you know state of just I don't know difficulty, right? Uh, sometimes it, mentally escaping that is really healthy. Yeah. And uh, it also helped that we had some delicious uh, foods to eat that night, too. What did uh, you eat? It was the Backpackers Pantry. You had the mac and cheese? Yeah, the mac and cheese. We I think both we both had mac night. and cheese that night, and yeah. we both put uh, Valentina in it. Yeah. And it was so, so yeah. good. And it was the first night we had, like, a lot of that mac and cheese on this trip. Yeah. It was the first night that it's we had. It's cheap and actually, good. Yeah, and it's, it's, like, heavy. There's a bunch of stuff in there. But it was the first night that we boiled, like fully boiled that stuff, and so mm. it wasn't crunchy. That's right. <laughs> and it was really good. That's right. That's we were right. tired, too. So then we take off in the truck, and we make our way. Um, I actually talked Tyler into driving for me. He's He'll drive. It's, I don't have to talk him into it, but I don't ask him to very often. We kind of do a thing where it's like if it's our ve- like the person's vehicle, they drive. Partially because uh, after the ATA incident, like <laughs> we kind of just want to be in, her, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, in control of things. But anyways... Um, I got Tyler to drive us out of there down that two-track in the middle of the night. We saw some elk. That was uh, yeah. kind of interesting. Uh, but I needed some time to, like, look at the map and whatnot. And um, it took me a little while because we were talking, and I kind of just was, like, out of it, out of the hunting mindset. But after a little while, um, I found this one little spot that I could tell, like, was barely on the edge of my saved maps. Um that had a two-track that went and accessed the wilderness area. I was like, uh, let's try to go there tomorrow and just see what that's all about. Well, it was getting real late, and then we swapped drivers, and I drove another probably hour and got us pretty close to there, and then it was like, okay, it's time for bed. We are just zombies at the moment. So um, I think we ended up going to bed like at 9. No, 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 no. It was like, it was like 1230, sorry. Right? It was about midnight. Midnight, something yeah. like that. I think I read. I kind of got in the habit of reading a little bit every night to kind of just calm me down and get me in the mood to go to sleep, uh, which doesn't take very long. Um, so, um, slept in the truck uh, again. And yeah. It was much better truck sleep for me that time, I think. <laughs> and that, and I think that kind of led to, probably led to a change of, change of the whole mentality at that yeah. point, you know. And the reason that we got into this funk, I think... Um, had a lot to do with what happened before day six and seven, Ooh. really. You know what I mean? Like a little jump back. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of things, a lot of like, and this is so cliche, but a lot of ups and downs, you know, that happened before that. And so physically, uh, and yeah, mentally, yeah, exactly. We uh, we left out uh, two days early so that we could get in and hunt opening day. 
Um, well, when we get to the Gila Wilderness, it's like a pretty nasty day. It's been kind of sprinkling off and on a little bit here and there. And it cleared out midday, so we were kind of like up about things. Like it was sunshine when we saw that bull, I'm pretty sure, on the way in. The old grassland bull. I don't know about that. I thought it was, and then shortly after it started. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was just brighter than it had been. Okay, it wasn't bad weather though at that point in time. No, it was. Yeah, it was clear. It was clear. No, no rain at that point. Well, okay. So let's back up a little bit. In true KC fashion, it takes us a lot longer to get to actually hitting the trail than (laughs) what it's supposed to. Yeah. We stopped and had breakfast with uh, Brian Broderick, cool dude. Got to you know hang out and whatnot and daddle. With him and uh, Daddle, that's that's what that means. Daddling like you're slow. It's slow. Just I just put it together. Yeah. Um, but oh, I got green chilies with breakfast. It's so good. And then we went to reserve and had to run around look for a chain and just in ice and just ugh, everything yeah. takes so long. Well, I thought we were gonna hit the trail like at noon or one. We ended up hitting the trail at three forty-four. We left the truck. Yep. And uh, knew it was gonna kind of be a haul back in there. Well. Uh, between the rain and just it being pretty brutal, uh, we didn't make it all the way back in. It got more and more intense as we went on, like oh, the yeah. rain did. It, it was uh, it was like nothing at first. And then, um, you know, we had to cross the Gila River, which the River Canyon is no joke, um, pretty vertical. And so uh, it starts, about the time we get to the Gila River is about probably the halfway point to where we want to camp that night. And I'm like... Dude, it's starting to rain pretty good. It's overcast. It's going to get dark early. It's already feeling like it's getting dark. Mm-hmm. And um, so we start working up this hill from the Gila River, which is like 600-foot elevation. With like 70-plus pound packs. Oh, our, our packs are huge because, you know, like my pack would be a pretty good, decent pack for that amount of time in the backcountry. Um, like I didn't feel like I overpacked except for that I have to – put camera gear in my pack you know in case he has to have a bow and arrows and all this other stuff so um things begin to get heavy and we it gets dark and it is raining pretty solid um and we're just i mean we're just beat we just went up 600 feet elevation in the rain i was in bad shape there was a one point in time whenever we had to gain 600 feet out of the canyon pretty quickly and um like at about 550 I got to the point where, like, I wasn't feeling very good. I was feeling a little bit sick. Uh, and watch out, Muley. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also was leaning on my trekking poles and almost fell asleep. So, <laughs> like, and it wasn't, like, late at night either. It was, like, 830 or something like that. So yeah. it was, like, one of those things where I was just at complete and total exhaustion. And uh, we yeah. decided, like, as soon as we capped out out of that canyon, uh, we were going to just throw up our tent and then deal with, like, missing part of opening day because of rain and just difficulties but we were still going to be hunting our way in you know hunting our way into the next camp or to where we wanted to camp the night before Mm -hmm. and so yeah we uh we got up on on the top there and we start looking for a place and we see lights and i'm like man these guys they might be looking for a bull you know whatever and um we end up just you know kind of basically understanding that the best place for us to camp was actually probably like a hundred yards from those lights. Um, and so, uh, we, we figured out, I think that those guys were camping there instead of actually looking for a bull. And so, um, we start pitching tents in the rain there and man, it was just a disaster. Like 
putting trying to get into a tent and not have not be you know make everything wet your sleeping bag your pad and everything in the rain after putting up the tent is just almost impossible and so we we, i mean it was literally one of the more uncomfortable nights i've had um just trying to get in there and sleep and then you know it's the first night usually the first night when i sleep in the backcountry is a tough one because i'm not acclimated Mm -hmm. like my mind is not used to having to sleep you know outside so therefore things are just different and i'm a light sleeper well that coupled with rain just like continually just dropping and then like you get like a big drop every once in a while and it would just i mean i was awake all night pretty much (laughs) it was uh the rain picked up a lot too throughout the night like it started storming pretty much and uh we were pretty kind of worried about our camping location because there's a lot of dead trees around Mm -hmm. and i think we picked a pretty good one there were still some trees that could have got us if uh the wrong thing happened but um that's kind of the perils of like setting up camp in the dark yeah i think it's something we learned is we should try not to do that and we should just as far as like time management goes we should just understand that if we think that we can do it by noon that it may be like two or three hours later so we need to have that cushion you know yeah exactly um, um but we ended up sleeping in that morning because i mean you just can't get out of your tent when it's pouring down rain and pack everything up yeah. right and i think uh we were in the tents till like eight thirty or something like that that yeah, morning yeah. and uh i got out before tyler did um probably because i was just antsy uh and kind of oh i had to use the bathroom too that always makes me get up but uh got out and put my rain poncho out on the ground and did a little water collection thing and stuff and that worked real good i actually collected a liter of water just from rain that morning just by laying my rain poncho on the ground um water is a precious resource in the gila believe me uh (laughs) also met the guy or guys one met one of the guys who was at that camp his name is Eloy, which is a very uh, interesting name. Um, it's not something I hear that often. Kind of cool. He's a nice dude. Real funny. Uh, had a potty mouth, but, you know, <laughs> it's just some guys in the backcountry that way. Um, but Eloy is cool. We talked about elk hunting a lot, and he was, like, hopping up the other dude he was with, which was kind of crazy. He was like, this dude, this is the bad man over here, you know. He's <laughs> like, I got to get him an elk. But Eloy offered to pack up, pack our elk out for us because he had horses. He's like, I feel bad for you guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we kind of got, like, that was a motif throughout that backcountry part of the trip where, like, we had guys that we would talk to that were like, I can't believe that y'all don't have horses. Like, yeah. I can't believe that y'all are on foot back here it's too much you know and i kind of think i agree after yeah i think that if we do it again horses will be involved for sure uh but uh he's kind of like dropping a little knowledge bomb here and there about elk and whatnot and uh getting us kind of hype and then we finally pack our stuff up kind of wet and head towards clear creek and uh we are hunting along the way and seeing rubs and getting all excited and it's still kind of raining and then it picks up and then it slacks off and Tyler and I are jumping from tree to tree trying to stay dry kind of huddled up a little bit too close sometimes up underneath the tree (laughs) but that's the way it goes in the back country right um well uh we get to the edge like kind of the canyon edge of where we're going to drop into and it's pretty intense too um and finally uh, I guess about one thirty. Does that sound about right? We arrived at Clear Creek around one thirty. Yeah, that's probably pretty close. Uh, around one thirty, we uh, get down to where we think we're going to camp, and it looks really good. It's the the canyons there are neat in that part of the 
of the wilderness where the bottom lands, you know, like the low stuff in the canyon, is actually kind of wide and flat. And you can see why, like, native tribes and stuff settled there back in the day because, like, there's actually a lot of room to farm down there. It's like, you know, a lot of dirt. Like, most canyons you go to, it's like rocks, 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 and then creek, right? Mm -hmm. And this is, this is different. It's cool. Well, we found, like, this perfect little campsite, like six ponderosas that kind of make a circle around this little spot. We set up our two tents. Like, eh, things are looking up, man. Like, we're about to go hunting. Uh, we need to filter some water. We had Clear Creek right behind us, which actually was just standing pools uh, with a lot of bugs in them, like yeah. a lot of bugs. And algae. Uh, algae, a big round worm that was crawling around in there. <laughs> <laughs> He's gross looking. We didn't get him in our water. The water was real clear, though. The water was real clear. It was tasty. It was good. I, well, actually, it wasn't like perfectly clear, but it was pretty clear. Mm. Um, well, we go to go fill in water and filtering water, and all of a sudden, the bugle party happens up the mountain from us. Like... We're like, wow, oh, is that a bugle? And then, oh, there's another one. And then for the next 30 minutes while we're getting water, it's just bugling like crazy up on top of the mountain. And Tyler and I are just like, you know, just grinning like, I don't know what, because we're like, this is awesome. Like, what what are we going to do? So we get all our water filtered up and uh, kind of make a plan to, to head up the mountain and go chase some of these bugles. What were you thinking about that point in time? Uh, about the time we headed up. Yeah. Well, when we first headed up, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because of the last couple of days we've had. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think they were bugling like crazy. I just thought they were bugling um, like enough to to like locate these bulls. It was you know more what I mean? than what anything I've ever experienced. Yeah. At that point yeah. In time. Sure. Yeah. And me too, uh, for sure. Like so, it was a bugle every two or three minutes for a little while, and then it kind of slacked up some. Yeah. And, and so we headed up the mountain. We make a call to where we think that one of the bugles is coming from. We don't hear anything. Then we hear this bugle kind of up the drainage, and we're like, all right, let's go. Well, it starts raining off and on, kind of doing its thing that it's been doing. Um, I mean, it was nasty weather, dude. Like, I was my, – my microphone on my camera was just, like, it was so nasty and just wet. And mm-hmm. anyway um, – yeah, we start basically chasing this bull, and then all of a sudden it's two bulls, and they get to going, and um, and so you know we're I, I get we get to a point where I'm like, man, are we just chasing these bulls up the mountain, and this is a creature that we can't catch? You yeah. know what I mean? And so you were like, eh, it's the first day, you know, we don't, we might as well just kind of stay with them and see what happens, you mm-hmm. know. And I think it was obviously it was a good decision. Um, that so. was kind of my plan was to. Um you know, this is a different unit than anything I've ever hunted, right? You know, I'm used to, like, heavily pressured places where the elk don't talk very much and you treat them differently. And what I've learned that works in that, those situations is call your head off and then sooner or later you'll find one that actually wants to play your game. Well, we knew where these bulls were, and I, I, was, I decided, I was like, you know what? We're just going to sneak up as best we can. We've got great wind for this situation, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, we're just going to, and you know, water, I mean, the ground's kind of damp, so it's quiet walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to sneak up here and just see what's going on, see if we can't shadow these bulls and see what they're all about. Because at this point, we don't really know what the Gila holds, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't know if, like, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff on the internet about giants and about how there's no big bulls left in there and all this kind of stuff. Well, we're just going to go up there and see what they are. Well, we start creeping up, creeping up, and it's it's sounding like we can start to really make out kind of where these bulls are, and we're getting pretty close. And Tyler looks up and says, I see, I see elk. And 
he could see legs kind of underneath this oak brush stuff and ends up it's a cow right and we're like trying to get to the bull so the cow's a problem at this point and we're trying to like okay what do we do she's looking our way but she has no clue we're here she's feeding so we can't do a whole lot so we decide to start kind of working our way around to the right of her to get up to where the bull is bugling from well as we're doing that it's misting and she beds down looking directly at us but not seeing us at all but it's in one of those situations like okay well we're pinned we can't move at all right now there's a big bull bugling up the hill there's another big bull bugling down the hill we didn't know they were big bulls well we figured they were (laughs) most bulls to me are big like you know what i mean like being a whitetail hunter yeah exactly we they just you know well, this thing screaming in the woods, it's got to be big. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of how I look at it. But yeah. um, anyways, uh, we're kind of pinned down at this point in time. Can't do a thing about what's going on. Well, luckily for us, the bull runs down this direction. And he's behind brush and stuff. I can't see him very good. I think Tyler has a better view of him at this point in time than I do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. I could see his tops, which... yeah. As far as they were above his head, I could tell he's a pretty good bull at that point. So Yeah, I, I actually asked Tyler, I was like, hey, is he a shooter? And he said, I don't know, man, it's up to you. Well, I, I couldn't tell much about him. I saw, I actually didn't think he was super huge at, at first. All I'm, I saw was the... Um, uh, I knew he was a shooter. Well, <laughs> all I saw like, was his three and his main beam when it was like, a quarter to me which is like the skinniest part of the main beam you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. so i was like i can't really tell what's going on with this bull well he actually is tending this cow she's like in estrus apparently uh he's sniffing her he's lip curling he's bugling right over the top of her the other bull down the hill is bugling hard and the cow's acting like this isn't even going on which it was is weird. really strange <laughs> yeah like you know her her eardrums are getting blown out by this bull. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, this just kind of continues on for like two or three minutes. And then suddenly the bull bolts down the hill towards that other bull that's bugling. And we hear antlers like cracking, not like deathmatch, but they were, fighting. they were fighting. Yeah. And we're like, oh, my goodness, is that actually what this is? And when you know it, it's what was happening. This bull, we, I didn't really think he was actually that fired up at this moment. I thought he was just kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, locator bugling or whatever, you know. Um, but, no, he w- he went down there and took it to that other bull, we think, unless they swapped at that point in time. Yeah. Um, we don't really know for sure. But um, at that point in time, that bull came back up the hill, tended the cow. She got up and peed right there and he sniffed it and went crazy at that moment in time lip curled and the whole time we haven't really talked about the bugles that much but oh my goodness were these things blowing Man. our faces off <laughs> and that's that's what he was doing right there is he was just going nutso mm-hmm. whenever she got up and he was just fired up she starts to kind of work her way uh kind of flanking us pretty much and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm about to get a shot right here at 25 yards, and this is awesome because I've had plenty of time to range things. I know, like, what ranges all stuff are. She walks right through the 25-yard lane, and I don't remember exactly what happened here, but he let her kind of get away a little bit, 
And he either took a different path or he ran through that lane so fast that I couldn't get a shot. I don't remember. Do you remember how, how that played out? Through the through the lane towards her, you're saying? Yeah, like when they started easing off. Um, he never he he was he never came into the same lane uh-huh. that was like close. He was kind of behind that like secondary brush line yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, they and so she's like she's basically coming as far as I I mean this is and this is memory dude from mm-hmm. you know a long time ago and we're obviously tired but um she was kind of heading off to our left and he was kind of had like turned around and was going back out to the left kind of almost like getting between her and that other bull um which would have been out of range and kind of out of sight for a while and who yeah. knows where she would have ended up because she was actually going to our to our wind I mean, she was not purposefully, but she was going to end up getting very close to our wind pretty soon. Yeah, to the to the right, up that direction, kind of through the brush. And uh, he ended up following her up that direction, and that's when I was like, okay, it's time to make a call because I can't let this bull and cow just walk out of my life right now. Because at that point in time, I was like, okay, I know it's day one, but that's a very, very large elk. I'm probably going to shoot him if I get a good chance. Uh, little did I know how large he really was. Um, so I go just did a hit a little soft mew, like a like kind of instinctually because I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I was like, okay, and did it twice. And the first time he didn't hear it. Yeah, the bull didn't hear it the first time. Yeah, but uh, the second time he did, and then he whipped his head around like. You can't imagine how fast an animal can whip that much weight on its head around. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, like, cranked his neck, and I was like, he's looking. Yeah. <laughs> and then the cow ran to, like, eight yards right to us because she was, like, looking for her friend or something. I don't know what the deal was, but she responded really well to the cow call, mm-hmm. which went really good for us because he's going to go wherever she goes. Well, except he wants to, like, I wonder if he's staying downwind of her. And that's why he came in where he did, as opposed to following her right where well, she. Well, he was did. upwind when he came out. Our wind was blowing from right to left at that point, and she was getting to the brink of it. And so I don't know what you he mean was doing. Left to right? No, it was blowing right to left. Remember, she was she was sitting there getting very close to our wind the whole time. We kept talking about it. I don't. At what point in time when she had ran up already? Our wind was blowing across, like if the ridge was going. You know, straight, we're looking up the ridge. Uh-huh. It was going from our right to our left. Okay. The whole time. And so he he eventually, when you cowed him, or cow called him, he came around that same brush line that he was kind of working mm-hmm. on the other side of, and that's when he came out right there. That's right. So he came, instead of following right behind her, he kind of came off of her left through a lane that I was, like, ready for, right? And... Except I wasn't ready for him to, like, charge in. Mm -hmm. What happened was, is this bull came through very quickly. I come to full draw while he's still in the brush. He comes out through my lane, but turns directly at me and and kind of half trots up to 25 yards in my face. Except he's got oak brush covering his vitals right in front. No chance for a frontal at all. In fact, I can't even see his mouth. All I can really see are his like shins and his Tips. antlers. Yeah. And I end up he locks up out yeah. there for some reason. I guess he kind of saw us. I think he saw us cuz he was, like, was, was a, it was a, he could clearly see me. I yeah. mean, like I've got video of it and you guys will see this soon. 
But, I mean, I have a clear shot. If I was the shooter, it was done deal. Yeah. And so I think when he came around, he saw me standing there. Because we hadn't – because the cow bedded, we had gotten pinned, even though she was still like 70, 80 yards away when she was bedded, there was no way for us to move. We were pinned to kind of in this open when mm-hmm. she bedded. And so, like, we pretty much had to live with it. And so, like, this is minutes and minutes later. I don't know how long when he comes around and he's looking at this, like, six-foot-tall stick that's standing out in the middle of the, you know, with a pack on or whatever out in the middle of this open. And I don't know if he could even see you as much, but I know, I'm sure he could see me. So he got kind of weird at first Mm -hmm. in case he's sitting there at full draw. And I'm telling you, my heart is beating so fast. And I I think... You're going to be able to hear me breathing. I think I could hear your heartbeat from where (laughs) I was standing. I'm not kidding. And mine was beating hard, too. But I was like, man, is that really what that is? You know, I don't know. But that probably is not something that can actually happen. And probably it's just my own heart. But uh, I'm at full draw. The bull's at 25 yards from me, looking straight at us, and the minutes start to go by. Oh, it's nuts. It is crazy. He gets weird at first, and Mm -hmm. then he kind of like gets calm, but he hasn't taken a step, because neither has the cow. They're they're just like, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know what that was. And and he gets kind of, he finally starts to calm down. He starts to calm down, and then he lets the most epic bugle rip Right, right in, in face. our faces. <laughs> this is like two minutes into KC holding the bow, too. Yeah. Like he's been holding for two minutes, you know, full 70-pound 70 weight, 70 weight. You know, obviously there's a breakover. But, yeah. like, you know, like this, if you've ever held a bow for longer than a minute, you know. It was tough, man. And I ended up – I didn't let down, but I had to kind of reposition and kind of bring my arm down because it was just – I couldn't let that thing jerk with him right there in front of me. Yeah. Right? He kind of got – he kind of got the point where, like, you're sitting there and you feel like you got it locked out, but you're getting weak, and then you start kind of, like, having these jerks, these little mm-hmm. twitches, you know, like you do. And uh, at that point, I was like, that was when the bulls started getting kind of weird again. And then you started to let down. And, I mean, at that point, he pretty much knew something was weird, well, I think. Well, that's, and that's when he bugled. And then I'm thinking he's pretty calm. And, and this is one of those hindsight things. And we'll talk about, like, maybe what we should have done or what we could have done in a second. But... He bugled, and then not long after that, boogered pretty hard. Like, went from bugling. I thought he'd, like, turn out and give me a shot. He didn't do it. He, like, whipped out and was gone. Mm. Um, Well, not gone. He whipped out and came around. I didn't get a shot after that two-minute and 45-second bow hold, which is terrible. Um, Which is longer than I would have been able to Came back around. To where the cow was, which I don't have a clue how she hasn't spooked through all this stuff. You know, complete disregard for her at this moment. (laughs) You know, Um, Cam comes back around to her. I kind of reposition, and I'm like in a frantic at this point. I've just held my bow for something that was I thought was humanly impossible, and I just had you know the adrenaline just helped me with it. But um, I whip around. I get a range on some bushes. And wouldn't you know, he steps out from behind those bushes. And I'm at, I draw, and I have a short window to shoot. He's standing still, and he starts to move. I was like, okay, I got to shoot. And used the wrong pin. He was at 40 yards. My pin sequence goes green, red, yellow, green, yellow, and something else below it. But 40 and 60 are the same color. And my 50-yard pin is a little bit messed up to where the the uh, fiber optic is kind of receded back in a little bit, so it's not near as bright. Mm-hmm. So it's real hard to tell the difference. 
in a split second in the 40 and the 60, I just anchored what I thought was the right pin, and I watched my arrow fly three inches over this bull's back, pretty much directly lined up for a double longer on the biggest bull of my life. And this is a big bull. It's I a mean, big, big bull. dark horn heavy. He had mud in his horn, in his like fronts when he was sitting there staring at us and bugling in our face at 25 yards. Tyler got really, really, really good footage of this bull, and you're going to be able to see it here uh, in, a, in a couple of days, weeks, months. Who knows how long days, this takes? I think. <laughs> I think yeah, days. There's a lot of clips from this there trip. Are, yeah. But uh, so that happened. Arrow sailed over. I knew it was a clean miss as soon as I saw that happen. I was like, oh, my gosh, I know exactly what happened. But that's just how it goes. Like, you know, you're not supposed to rush shots, this and that. And I th- kind of think that's a little bit bullcorn because, man, there's sometimes that you got to get a shot off. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those times, and I just kind of messed it up. But whatever. Um, then um, we kind of regrouped. He ran down the hill. I guess he heard the arrow whiz over his head, and he said, I ain't about that life. Mm-hmm. Ran down the hill, and so did the cow. And the, we kind of moved probably 20 yards down the hill, and I see this big bull with the cow. Well, and, when he took off, I think you had caught cow called, right? I don't remember. I don't probably, remember either. You know, extinct, in, instinctually, yes, it's just what you would do, right? But we ran down to try to, like, set up again or whatever, just – you know, not far. When a bull like this runs out of your life, you're like, "Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do?" <laughs> you know. So I run down, and lo and behold, there's a cow and a bull at like 90 yards, and I was like, "Oh, they're still there." I remember telling him, "Like he's right there." And so I, I cow call. The first one was kind of bad sounding, and the second one was pretty good. Well, this bull whips his head around, and here he comes right at us. I was like, "Oh my gosh." And I was like, it's big tops. Look at that. And I noticed that his brow tine was kind of uh, pointing down. I was like, I didn't remember that for the first time. <laughs> and, it, you know, I'm processing all of this in like two seconds, you know, or actually less than that. I'm ranging some trees right in front of me where I think he's going to come out. And they're at 27 yards. I, uh, this bull is coming in quick, right? He gets behind the first tree. I uh, draw and he exits the second tree. He kind of sees me, but Tyler's behind me with the decoy. He sees the decoy and kind of slows up a little bit, and I anchor my 30-yard pin and squeeze off. You squoze. I squoze it. (laughs) And I hit this bull super high. Like, right away, no, it's non-lethal. I get three inches of penetration, it's above the spine, pretty much. It's like back strap and like those top little ridge vertebrae things that he has. And my heart just sank at this moment. And this bull kind of freaks out for just a little bit, but he didn't really know what happens. He whirls around and runs off with this arrow sticking out of his, his back. And, and at I, the time, you're like, man, I got two shots at that bull. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. That's what you're thinking. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then I'm like, okay, golly. And then I stop him at like 70, and I was like, gosh, that's not a – I know that's not a lethal hit. Like in most cases, I'm going to try to get the second arrow in if I can. Mm-hmm. But like I I knew that, I mean, that bull is – he's up there breeding cows right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like he is totally fine, uh, which was crazy because I, I amped up my arrow weight this year even more. And switched to fixed blades because 
I wasn't happy with some of my penetration stuff that I had happened Shoot last year. Shoot a two year. blade with a bleeder. Right? Yeah, two blades with bleeders. Those day six ones. And uh, 535 pounds. Um, grains. Five grains. <laughs> 71 pounds at 267 feet per second. Right, It's, pre- it's packing a pretty good punch. And three inches of penetration in this bull. Uh, I just hit him in a real hard spot. Anyways, all that to say, I didn't take the follow-up shot at 70 because, A, I was super rattled, and, B, I didn't want to just wound this thing worse, right? So um, we ended up kind of chasing him, we think, down the mountain, and I think we even saw him bugling and chuckling Mm -hmm. not long after that. Um, And it just kind of got dark on us, and we couldn't do anything else, and that was... was, uh, that was it for the end of day one. Yeah, and, and I, I, uh, I when I I had video of it, and I went back and watched it, and I was, and I knew I'd seen it when he was coming at me because he was coming straight at me the second bull, and I knew he had a brow tine that was turned down, and that's when I was like, dude, you shot at two different bulls. Those those, those were both the bulls. One was the bull that got whooped and the other one was the one you know the first one that came and bugled in our yeah, face i couldn't believe it they were giants both of them and i in the moment i, I remember noticing the down brow time but i was just like oh i just didn't see didn't it the, see first, it the time. first time yeah you know i didn't think nothing of it but then thinking back as soon as you said that i was like no i remember the first bull didn't have that he had those oh they're, they're so cool <laughs> no. they're dagger like where like they have mass, and there's. If you were to cut a cross section, they're shaped like a diamond, right? Mm-hmm. And they just go out and up. Oh, he was so cool. And then this second bull. Um, well, you'll just have to see in the video. They're even bigger than we thought we, they were. They both have seven on one side. Yeah, they both have seven on one side, which is is nuts. <laughs> and that was uh, that was our day one. It was the craziest day of elk hunting I've ever had. I cannot believe we had been hunting all of like two hours when yes, all this happened. And we're like, dude, is this the baddest unit that has ever existed <laughs> in the world of elk hunting? This is nuts. And Tyler and I are, you know, tossing scores around a little bit, you know, just because we're like, gosh, you know, what how big was that bull? And I think we both kind of decided the first one was like a three fifty mm-hmm. um ish. And then the other one maybe a bit a touch smaller because he didn't have the mass that the, mm. that, that one did. But I don't know. We we the footage on that one isn't as good, which that's nothing against Tyler. It's just it was a frantic moment, and he's trying to work a decoy and a camera. He did a really good job for what we had going. Um, but either way, they're both giant bulls, and my goodness, was that fun and also a huge letdown because I just didn't follow through with my end of the of the stick, but. It's, a, it's just how elk hunting goes, man. Yeah. I think that one of the things that um, I've experienced, and I think I need to find a middle ground here, is that um, there's a lot more misses and kind of iffy shots and stuff in elk hunting than people let on. Mm-hmm. And I need to get better at it, but I, I practice pretty hard at it. And I you know, run a setup that I think is, should be super lethal, Um and, I mean, that was a 27-yard shot, you know, and I just hit high for some reason, probably because I'd the third time I'd drawn my bow and I'd been holding for a total of, you know, who knows, four minutes after all that. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, I think that I need to get a little bit better at it. But I think that, man, there's that's, a, that's part of elk hunting, having to take fast, rushed, risky shots. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't do that, you better hunt a waterhole. You know, that's yeah. a, about the only thing there is to do. And uh, it's kind of one of those things we have to kind of accept. Luckily, they're big, strong, tough animals that 
can survive about near anything. And, and they're also big so that the target area is bigger. Yeah. So, you know, when exactly. you're taking those rush shots, you, makes hope it, to, you hope that you can hit that big target. You know? And when you don't, it makes it really even worse because you're like, wow, I couldn't hit a 55-gallon <laughs> barrel at 30 yards. Yeah. But, no, it was it was a crazy scene of events, man. And, and I know that uh, you were super disappointed. Um, and I was disappointed too, you know yeah. I mean? It's, it's just natural that you would be, um, it, you know, when you start think, thinking about like how, how hard the few days had been that since we had been getting in there, just the, the rain and dealing with all that when you were technically in the desert Southwest, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, it, it was just, it would have been nice to have gotten it done and we're sitting here today, you know, this is day 10 of the hunt and it is, um, we are tired. Our feet hurt so bad. Um, and when we did some pretty good preparation as far as phys- physical, you know, getting in shape and everything goes. Um, but I mean, basically from that point forward, they bugled all night. We heard them. And then we were thinking, this is awesome. Yeah. Let's get up and go in the morning again. I'll find it, him again. Exactly. And it got so quiet and, and got warm and sunny and so, you know, th- we could go through and detail everything from days two through eight. But, you know, we talked about six and seven a little bit. Um, basically, days two through eight were just very tough days. We saw very few elk. We've heard very few bu- bugles. We walked around in the woods and we sat around. We even climbed to the top of one of the biggest mountains in our unit. And it got was, some cell phone we're service. literally, <laughs> you know, eight miles, nine or ten miles probably back yeah. in the in the wilderness from the wilderness border. And it's so high that we had LTE service, you know. Yeah. And so um, and the, the wilderness area is in the heart of one of the most wild areas, most oh, remote areas. I can't believe it. Like, Eloy was joking around. You, <laughs> I'm not going to use his, what he says, but... Um, <laughs> He says, like, this is the only place in the state you can drive five hours and still be in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the truth, man. Um, it's it's crazy remote. It took forever for us to get out of there t- today. But um, anyway, so day nine starts. Uh, day eight, we, we did call ball, bull in in the morning, and it was a weird thing. Oh, it's uh, crazy. We've got video of it. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it maybe uh, on the video and show you that kind of thing. But essentially a bull came all the way in to probably like 40 yards. And then he just disappeared. Um, so then the rest of that day was tough. We saw another hunter, which made us feel real, not called him in though. Called him in. Take that guy. Yeah. yeah, There's definitely an ego uh, thing. there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, um, then day nine starts and we're like, okay, we're not going back over that area, but we're still in the same camping area. So mm-hmm. how can we, you know, switch things up? Casey does some map scouting and day nine starts to break. We get up, you get out of the truck and what happens? Uh, I I have my morning ritual, which is always on time when we're camping, apparently. Um, and I get out of the truck to go use the bathroom and the bugles start ripping and it's like okay let's get this over with quick <laughs> and um so Tyler and I load up uh a bunch of day pack stuff um and start chasing bugles trying to shadow bulls until it gets daylight and we're actually playing it kind of conservative I think like we're like okay let's move in on these bulls kind of get kind of close see if we can find them call to them a little bit maybe bugle and and so that just doesn't work. It wasn't working at all. Like they did every time we'd bugle, they'd answer until we got close enough, and then and like they'd 
shut up. So I mean, the first like the first like thirty minutes plus was an absolute rage. I mean, oh. it was like it was like a bull would like spit a bugle at you, and then you'd spit right back at him and cut him off, and then one would do the thing over here. And I mean, I don't know how many bulls in the first thirty minutes we were we were actually following in the herd. Or I don't whatever. understand how there's that many elk in that area. I don't either. It's unreal. It was like every ridge has like six bulls on it. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean that sort of scenario played itself out for the next. Nine hours? Nine hours. We went from six to three, I think, is what we came up with. Uh-huh. Um, chasing bugles. Nonstop. And there was hard... I mean, you couldn't have found a five-minute gap in no. those nine hours where mm-hmm. there wasn't a bugle. Maybe even less than that. Maybe less than that. I, I mean, don't know. We're going to do a bugle count or something, or a montage of all the bugles that Tyler has audio from. We heard over a thousand bugles that day. It was, I, think. I mean, it was for sure hundreds of bugles. It was like, unreal. It, it was the most crazy thing ever. We can't tell you it how many billions. bulls. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we can't tell you how many bulls that we thought we heard bugle. But I think at one point in time, we decided that forty was like completely a reasonable number. Yeah, of bulls of that bulls. we encountered that day. Yeah, and um, they were finicky and they were tough, and I cannot believe how hard it was to get in range of those bulls, man. Yeah. We thought, so we thought with so much going on that at first we thought bugle, you know, let's mm-hmm. get, let's get in, let's find the boss in here and he wants to come fight us, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long it took, maybe an hour, hour and a half, maybe more. I don't remember to, to stop, to understand that that was not working. Yeah. Because every time we close in on a bugler and bugle at him, it would, he would just be quiet. Yeah. He'd take off with his cows. Yeah. And that's, and, that was the other weird thing is that every bull minus like two rags that we saw had cows with them. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't matter, you know, two year. I mean, we even saw some rags with cows. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Every bull had cows. It was so weird. And the cows became super problematic because you'd bump them and then the whole thing was over. Well, uh, yeah. F- so first of all, they wouldn't respond to the bugle like we wanted them to. Then they wouldn't respond to cow calling. Because the cows didn't like it. Because, yeah, I mean, like they got cows. Why are they going to come? Yeah. You know, I mean, and so then we decide we have to, like, go to this option three where we're like, okay, well, let's stalk in. And then, like you said, the cows became even more problematic mm-hmm. at that point because you're trying to stalk in on three or four animals instead of one. And a lot of times the cows are sitting there staring at you while you're looking at the bull, because his horns stand up over the bro- oak brush or whatever, and yeah. theirs don't, you know, they don't have horns. So. Exactly. Um, and it, I noticed, too, uh, a lot of times that the cows responded negatively to my cow calling. Mm-hmm. The bull would look, and he would kind of think about it, but he, and that's how we ended up getting, uh, you know, locating bulls with the cow calls. Mm-hmm. Like, if you bugle and you're too close, it was over. Mm-hmm. So you could cow call, and they'd answer almost every time. Uh, and then as soon as you got close, those cows didn't like it, and they'd, you know, they'd take off, and he's going to follow them wherever they go. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing plays itself out all day long. Uh, there's just kind of probably one big highlight of that day. Tyler and I were kind of making a move on different bulls and ended up stalking up on this uh, younger five-point, who was a, a good bull. Um, uh, I would love to have shot him. Um, uh <laughs> At like 60 yards. So um, we kind of haphazardly set up where Tyler and I are just kind of, he's standing behind me with a decoy. and uh, I wasn't decoying. 
You didn't have a decoy? No, I had it with me. I mean, I had it with me all day, oh. but I didn't decoy in that situation. Oh, that's right. I think I said it might scare him or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, but uh, so you're just filming over my shoulder. And I give this guy two soft mews, and he closes mm, 35 yards real quick, or probably 30 yards real quick at that point in time. And he's looking, and he puts on a bugle fest for us right yeah. in our faces. I mean, it was cool because he would like, he would like do this. I mean, it's kind of getting to midday, so he's like wanted to be lazy, but then he would like ramp up like big time as he starts. Yeah, it's like me, you know, like am I gonna do it? You know, it was cool. And uh, dude, I had like the perfect shooting lane lined out for this thing, and he was gonna walk right towards it. I go to draw when he gets behind this tree and Tyler's right in my ear. He says, "Hey, hold on, like not yet." And yeah, the bull locked up. He could see the bull's butt a little bit better than I could. The bull stopped right behind the tree, so he saved me from having to do another, hold another three-minute three draw. <laughs> um, so ends up the bull turns and like zigzags back the other direction. Well, I have to kind of reposition. I didn't range anything at this point in time, but I kind of once I range like twenty-five yards, I'm pretty good at understanding what twenty-five yards is mm. all the way around me, right? And uh, this bull comes back around. Walks through one lane real quick. I don't have time. He gets behind a pine tree. I draw, and he's at what I think is 23 yards. I mean, he's close, close. And if I would have been on top of my game, I could have chirped him right there and stopped him in the lane. But it was like six foot. I mean, it was like a tight lane. Yeah. And I was like, okay, he's been stalling and stopping this whole time. I'm just going to let him naturally do it. That way it's not like a rush situation or he spooks or what if something weird happens and he doesn't stop at all. He just whirls and goes. He's also in stride. Like, he's not just, like, taking a step and looking. He's, like, stride and looking straight forward. Uh, I think he even, like, gets his neck stretched out at some point in, in like, that whole situation. But, yeah, he's, like, striding. So you think, well, he's going. He's either going to try to get wind on us or something, you know. But Mm -hmm. he's not, like, tiptoeing around here. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, calm, cool, and collected. Like, all right, he's fixing to step out behind this oak tree, and I'm going to smoke him. Well, wouldn't you know, like, something – just locked him up hard all of a sudden. He just whips around and looks at us. We haven't moved, probably haven't even breathed, <laughs> right? And, like, he just, like, I guess he caught you or I in his periphery and was just like, what's that? Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know that this why of this oak tree is covering vitals. I can see the back of this thing's liver, and I can see the brown of his, his like, saddle up here, his neck. And I was like, well, dadgummit. And I've got a lane that's the size of like maybe a volleyball or a touch smaller, but it's got just a few sticks through it. And I'm thinking, headgummit, man, I do not want to be known as the crippler of elk. And I I think I might have even whispered to you. Did I, We talked about it while he was standing like, should I take the shot or something yeah, like that? Yes, man. And my whole answer this whole trip was whatever you think, man, because <laughs> you spent a lot of money on this tag. I didn't want to be the guy that made the bad decision. And because I kind of, uh, in the past have, have, uh, like <laughs> Tyler has, has been guilty of, of giving too much coaching in the past. Yeah. He did a good job this trip, not doing too much. Uh, uh, you told me things when I needed to hear them, like, <laughs> Hey, swap your feet or don't draw yet. Like those are all great things. I tried and, to take a couple of things that Casey has talked about. He's like, he told me a while back, he was like, I think last year when you elk hunted, you were yeah. like, I tried to draw and I realized I wasn't squared up and then you can't really draw your bow back towards your body. You yeah. know what I mean? So like I was thinking, okay. And you get and so I, there was a couple of times where I saw where you were like watching 
for the elk, but your feet are like, you know, like you're looking forward essentially. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, square your feet up. But yeah, like I tried not to say hardly anything just because, and that's been a thing in the past where I've tried to help my buddies out, you know, I've been hunting with them and stuff. And so like, I just got into that mode and I tried not to do that this time. So I pretty much, I might not have given you as much advice as maybe you wanted to or whatever. Well, it worked out fine. I just, uh, you know, in that situation and through this whole thing, like there's also been some pressure on me because you're here, you know, just out of the kindness of your heart videoing things, you know, you don't get to hunt. So like, I don't want to like ever pass up an opportunity that you'd be like, man, you should, oh, you should have done that. And that was the tough part about Shoot, I like think the that first every time. day one. I yeah. should have pulled the trigger every time. <laughs> well, that's what happened I here. I can't see what your perspective is uh, in all honesty though. And that's why yeah. I said that, you know. And I decided not to take the shot. Looking back, I think I could have pulled that one off. Um, but you know, there also is four bulls bugling in the next ridge over. I'm thinking, okay, I, I don't have to force this right here. You know, there's plenty of bulls out here and yeah, I told you, I even told you afterwards, it's like, man, if that was a 360, I probably would have tried to force it. But I mean, if we're going to be real about things, that's how we think. Like Mm -hmm. that's how most hunters are going to think. And Mm -hmm. you can stand on a high high horse and say, you don't think that way. That's fine. But I promise I've seen a 360 in the flesh now. <laughs> I would be shooting, okay? Yeah. And anyways, um, that five point, I'm at draw, full draw and for like, you know, 30 seconds or something. And then he boogers. And you and I both cow call him and stop him. And I decided to not take the unranged shot and let him go, mm-hmm. uh, which was probably a good choice because yeah. you and I both thought he was about 50. And looking back at the footage, we're like, he's like closer 40 than 50. or 45, yeah, you know? Like, exactly. So <laughs> been another high shot, that, Yeah, and that was the thing, man. I did not want to be the crippler, and that was why I didn't take the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be why I came home without an elk, too. Yep. But um, that's uh, pretty much, that's kind of the wrap-up for the day, you Yeah, I say. mean, we... We had uh, that. We had a couple hours during the middle of the day where we ran out of water, um, pretty much ran out of water um we couldn't we didn't have a whole lot of water in that area that's right that was that day yeah and then so like this is last night literally so Mm -hmm. we had walked so much like i said we we literally chased bugling elk and i'm talking about running at some point um for nine hours and then ate a late lunch at three we had yeah the lull was like an hour yeah and then we i mean we were like dying of thirst going up this like so slow up this ridge we get to the top we're like all right we literally sit down i take my pack off and a bull bugles i go to drink my last 100 milliliters of water (laughs) yeah (laughs) we were out of water pretty much and so uh bull bugles anyway we had a um we had a pretty close call with him as well he was Mm -hmm. a six um with a couple of cows almost got it done on him I think we may have chased a couple more buglers right there. Yeah, I can't remember. There's um, so many. But pretty much yeah. uh, at one point in that evening, we had kind of said, okay, we have chased enough today. It's getting real tough. We are out of water. We water. have got to go get water. We were, really, we were getting really thirsty. I mean, it yeah. was... It's kind of a it's it's a thing that like you have to be conscious of when you're in the wilderness because you can't just pop out to a road a mile away like yeah I mean we're four miles back in or whatever and this is the desert southwest it's not yeah. like Colorado where there's just seep every hill yeah you know it's just and that's what we we I mean we spent the downtime of the hour hour and a half we had we spent walking up a drainage that we thought might have according to the map 
a spring in it somewhere, and it so, didn't. Yeah, just we were looking for the smallest thing. Yeah. Like if you and I could have got a liter between us, we'd have been real oh, happy yeah. at that moment, and just didn't have it. So then we walked from once we started <laughs> kind of heading back home. We walked miles to a tank uh-huh. that was on your map. Uh, actually, a tank that we thought the elk were using. We as heard well. the elk splashing in that oh, tank right. one yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. The, the night before or whatever. So. Uh, Anyway, we go to that tank, and we start to filter out the tank. And this is not something either one of us really want to do. No, it's not. I'm a little less squeamish than you are on things like this, and it's still, I was like, yeah, this is Yeah, I know when it bothers you, it's for real. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I had filtered water from an elk wall earlier in the week, which was really good. It didn't bother me. Like It was like one they hadn't messed with in a while. This, there was a bunch of milfoil in this thing. And uh, leeches, leeches, and <laughs> it was just bad. And it had that, you know, East Texas pond. Yeah, smell. if you've ever smelled like Lake Fork or yeah. you know some, if you some ever lake caught this, a pool bass and smelled him, it's what it smells <laughs> it's like. Exactly, it's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So we were like, just we got you know a couple liters of water, and we we're like, man, okay, we just got to make it through a half day tomorrow. Let's not drink too much, you mm-hmm. know, get a little bit. We put a bunch of this, like, I got this Mio squirt stuff. It's flavored and Casey has Propel. And we put as much of that stuff as we could. <laughs> I'm could. out of Propel This now. stuff literally has caffeine in it. I'm, you know, it's like 9 o'clock. I'm, I'm going to bed soon. I'm like, I don't care. I'll go to I'll go to sleep. I, got, I don't know how much caffeine mm-hmm. you can put into me. I'll still go to sleep. So I was just squirting the stuff in there. And, uh, yeah, so we did that. Then this this morning, we you know, we got up and um, heard buglers again. Same situation. Uh, took off and it was a lot less of a hot and heavy day as far as bugling goes, but we had a couple of close, close calls. Yeah, we did. Um, uh, I had, I mean, we did have a few bugles and the one like super intense moment today is we had like an hour, hour and a half stalk on a bedded bull who just decided to get up and walk down the hill. Yeah. Just Dude, I'm talking out of my life. Never had as many parts of my body at the same time asleep. And my left hand has never fall. I've never had any part of my body fall asleep harder than my left hand did. Mm-hmm. It was outrageous. I was so uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how long it was, but I basically stayed in the same position. Well, we had said that 11 <laughs> o'clock is when we're going to be done hunting. And we're going to head back to the truck then. And I remember at 1030 kind of starting to head back to the truck anyways and hunt our way back. And at some point in time in there, we saw that bull and it was 12 30 whenever he ran away mm-hmm. so whatever that means i think yep. hour hour and a half and i that was like while you were over there to being a contortion contortionist i was um uh like making inches for 45 minutes oh, and finally got painful to a point same situation i had a sort of clear shot at this thing's vitals at 50 yards but had a few sticks in the way, and he's laying down, which are, which makes the vitals kind of weird anyways. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, it! I just can't do that. And I was like, all right, he's not boogered at all. He's looked up at us a little bit. He's looked down at his cows. He's looking around. He yawns four times. And um, I'm thinking, all right, when he gets up, there's a clear path directly in front of him where I've got lanes. I'm going to smoke him at 50 yards. Well, after about 15 minutes, he stands up, stretches a little bit, moves around, and heads down the hill. Yeah. And that was that. I cow called on him a few times. His cows freaked out about the cow calls and <laughs> yeah. ran away, and he followed him. Yeah. And um, pretty much that was our elk hunt. Yeah, that was it. I mean, <coughs> it, it was weird. The last two days were so crazy, so many bugles, and we didn't we, – we couldn't couldn't bugle them in. We couldn't um, cow call them in. 
and stalking them was really hard. I mean, we even we we even stalked in on a what you thought was about a three thirty five class bull at one point. And oh yeah, he that had herbal. Fif- they had like fifteen cows with him, and we He's got pretty close. I mean, we were probably going to get this thing done if if uh, he had just stayed kind of to our side of his cows, but he mm-hmm. was just working on me. Had so many of them, and so that was that was cool. Uh, it was a, I mean, it was a great experience. I can't hardly help but think like, you know, there's people 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 are successful all the time in the outdoors. They shoot a big buck. They shoot a big bull. And they they want to say glory to God, but man, like what we saw, even though we didn't shoot a bull, man, so much. I mean, we got to see glory. You know what I yeah, mean? Like it yeah. was just. There's something there. I told KC earlier. There's some. There's a reason we didn't shoot the bull, man. I don't know what it is. I can't tell you. But um, just God had a different plan, man. Yeah. And, and uh, it's just. Uh, I think glory to God that we got to live in a country like this, that where we could go out and experience a place like the Gila wilderness that I frankly had no clue how vast and large that area is. Oh, it's giant. Yeah. I want to go back just to not have the pressure of a hunt and go catch Gila trout. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> catch Gila trout. I did not get to do that on this trip, which was super sad. Yeah. Cody Rich would be real disappointed in us. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, man, I'm I'm right there with you. Like God's creation is just the coolest and it's just where I see him, you know, so much and it's just so awesome. Um I agree with everything you said, but I'm not going to be one of those people who says, at least I got to experience it. Yeah, that, that's the kind of the caveat. It's like, I, you still want to try to be successful. Yeah, right? like, I mean, I'm, I'm mad that I didn't get, didn't kill a bull. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'm mad. It's not a good word. But I'm upset about it. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not going to, like, write a closing monologue about how enjoyable the wilderness is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not how it's going to be. Like, I Frankly, it wasn't very enjoyable No, it was tough, the man. It's beautiful, but it's days. tough. And, like... I don't know. You just go there. Uh, I mean, I cried when I found out I drew this tag, mm-hmm. you know, like a legit cried. And, uh, man, whenever you don't feel the tag that you cried about, it stinks, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm, I've kind of pretty much made peace with it. It helped. Honestly, it helped that we had the last two days that we did where we saw so many elk and got so beat up. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like kind of, okay with just being done you know but yeah. uh it it stinks man I, i've got some unfinished business i i want to go take care of there so mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get to draw it again one of these days and and uh maybe take horses and go kill a couple of giants yeah i'm hoping it's that is an awesome experience for sure um i'm tired i definitely would have taken a day one bull kill you know at this point yeah, my legs man. feel ridiculous Dude. i actually bummed my knee pretty bad i had a my knee got real loose on day three, and I had a weird thing on the uh, weird, you know, issue with the back of my knee, and then on the left side of my left knee, and I pretty much had to use uh, trekking poles as like hiking, like crutches, basically, basically for almost all, like almost every day. Today it was about the first day that it felt good enough to not use. I didn't use the trekking poles the whole day to, mm-hmm. today. Uh, we, of course it was a half day too. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it, it made things difficult. I kind of favored my right leg, which yeah. got really tiring. Um, we both got feet that are beat up. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know how some of these rocks, guys do man. it. Like, uh, we interviewed, um, Trent from born and raised on, you know, the bike country episodes like they, those dudes, 35 days of elk hunting. 50. Uh, yeah. Like. 
Golly, yeah. my my feet after ten days, like I've got like types of sore things that I don't even know what they are. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, dude, I've been on two British Columbia sheep hunts. Mm-hmm. One that was a lot more physical than the other, and neither compared to this. Like I started this podcast, and my word of the day was rugged. And like I'm talking, you you can think of rugged as being like a big uh, mountain that's got a sharp face on it, but I'm talking down to the footprint mm-hmm. where, where your foot goes there was hardly a time where your foot was like le- pretty level oh i mean there's there uh, you can't imagine the big rocks it's not just like shale it's not little this and that it's like big rocks that are anywhere from the size of your foot to uh basketball or in some cases they're just straight up boulders you know what i mean mm-hmm. just everywhere everywhere we the reason we truck camped four nights was because we couldn't find a place to put a tent yeah. in that area. Flat or those areas. rockless. There was not either one of those in existence in that spot. And I don't know, my uh, my ankle rolled over so many times that it just kind of got used to it and it stopped, <laughs> yeah. stopped hurting. Yeah. And uh, it's just crazy, man. And one thing I will say about the wilderness is that there's not a lot of stuff that sticks you or stings you or bites you. Mm-hmm. You know, you got bit by a mosquito once, I think, and yeah, you're pretty ticked about it. It's a weird thing. It's a weird <laughs> but, thing. Uh, there's I not mean, much bug life There's there. a couple cactus every once in a while, but it's not like scorpions or mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that was a problem. We never saw a rattlesnake. We did see a really cool uh, king snake on the way in, mm-hmm. but like it, it, I didn't feel that from it. So that was that was pretty nice. There was some thistles. And there mm-hmm. were some hummingbirds that really tried to attack you. Dude, one Dude. scared me so bad today. Because <laughs> they were right yes. in your ear. Dude, like, when, when you were stalking that bull today, and it had already been like 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and, it, and my I was like in pain, and it was so quiet, dude. And all of a sudden, right in my face, dude, and I just jumped out of my skin, dude. I was like, I just scared the bull. Yeah. <laughs> what were they trying to get on? So I have... Uh, like some orange paracord in a couple mm-hmm. different places. It's what I use my to connect my harness to my binos and some other stuff. And what were they trying to get on you? That was I think it was the red uh, wire from my mic to my camera. Oh, sure. that little thing. Yep. Yeah, yep. they think that they're flowers. And yep. these are the broadtail hummingbirds, which are like a little bit bigger than our standard uh, ruby throats that mm. we have. So they make a lot of noise. Yep. And oh my goodness, is it scary? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but well, otherwise, that was about it. Yeah, fun trip, man. Well, guys, the Gila has been awesome to us, but so have y'all because y'all did a super fantastic job on giving us a bunch of reviews to win some awesome prizes. And we are going to give those out right now in time for deer season, just barely because (laughs) it starts this weekend. Oh my goodness. But um, we've got a couple things to give away here. So listen for your name. If you were one of the ones who gave us a review and uh, uh, shoot us a message on social, you know, Insta, Facebook, whatever, um, Email uh, com if that works easier for you, and uh, we will get you your prize. So first on the list is Wes S2B. No, sorry, Wes 2SB. <laughs> Wes wins a T-shirt. So Wes, hit us up, man. Yeah, Wes's review said, Tyler and Casey do a fantastic job informing listeners about the woods and their experiences in them. The Backwoods series is my new newest favorite edition as it's something i'm eager to learn about with them i think he meant uh 
Backcountry. This podcast <laughs> is a five out of five that you need in your arsenal. Thanks, nice. Wes. Appreciate it, man. Cool. Uh, all right. All We've right. got another winner, this time for Onyx, and that is Mo Cole. Mo Cole. M-O-C-O-L-E. All one word? Mm-hmm. All right. Mo Cole said, these guys are down-to-earth hunters with a mindful budget and hunting on public and private lands. Success and failures that we all experience. These guys talk about it all, and they have good guests on the podcast. Awesome, Mo Cole. Thank Hit you. us up, dude, we'll, or lady, whichever one you are, we will get you your... Uh, Onyx Premium Membership. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do another Onyx here, all right? All right? Uh, that is T-N-B-R-Y-A-N. So T-N Brian, probably Tennessee Brian, I'm assuming, is going to win Onyx as well. Yep. T-N Brian, or T-N-B Ryan, said, <laughs> Love the Backcountry Series. As a hunter from the East who has fallen in love with elk hunting in the Rockies, I can really relate. Thanks. Thanks, Thank you, Thank sir. Thank you, B. Ryan. <laughs> Hit us up. All right, so we're going to do another Onyx, and that'll wrap up our Onyx giveaways. Um, this is for P-Wood 936. All right. So that's P-W-O-O-D 936. P-Wood 936 said, super entertaining and informative. Keep it up. All right, dude, we Short will. Sweet. Thanks, dude. Yeah, thank you. Thank P-Wood. you, sir. All right, so uh, let's do... Two t-shirts and then the hat and then we will do the bottles. Okay, so next t-shirt goes to Ben C. Pody. That's B-E-N-C-P-O-D-Y. Sure it's not Bink Pody? Might be Bink Pody. <laughs> Might be B-N-C Pody. That's all right. I already said that, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, so Ben C. Pody said, I really enjoy this podcast with all the podcasts on the outdoors and hunting lifestyles, especially Western and Northern hosts. It's like a drink of cool water. Listening to these guys and all of the Southern sayings that go along with it, being from Alabama, this is generally more relatable for me than other podcasts out and about at the moment. I will continue to enjoy this platform on my daily commutes. Thanks, Ben Capote. Thanks, Ben. Keep up those commutes, man. You're working hard. Um, All right. (laughs) So the last T-shirt goes to Mary A.C. So that's Mary, M-A-R-Y, A period, C period. Mary A.C. said, love listening to y'all's podcast. Being from Northeast Texas, I can relate a lot to y'all's style of hunting and experiences. Yeah, you understand us, Mary. Cool. Hit us up and get your T-shirt. All right. Uh, the limited edition Element Hats, which can be purchased on TheElementWild.com. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah, good plug, man. Um, so uh, you actually have on one right now that I think you wore a lot while we were hunting, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I have two different kinds, and actually um, it will be the other kind. Oh, fancy. See in the video. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to go to Rockfish. So rock underscore fish. Rockfish. What, what is a rockfish? A rockfish is a, a little fish that lives on rocks. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, pretty deep water off usually, the PNW? Yeah, usually yeah. PNW or Aleutian Islands, you know, they're supposed to be really tasty. That's what I heard. You can get rockfish yeah. at sushi restaurants sometimes. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Okay. Uh, rockfish said, I just discovered this podcast. Man. Just now? No, this is actually, uh, yeah, he, this is one of our early reviews two oh, years really? ago. Wow. Um, Rockfish said, I just discovered this podcast and highly recommend it. These guys are the real deal. Getting out there amongst it in the field. The podcast is fun, entertaining, and easy to listen to. Looking forward to hearing more from this crew. 
Cool. Thanks, Thanks dude. I'm, I'm hoping at this point you've heard a lot more from this crew. That's right, man. Two years later. And uh, if you want to hit a return to sender and send us back uh, some rockfish to eat <laughs> for the hat, that'd be cool. Uh, okay, yeah. cool. So uh, thank y'all all so much for all the awesome reviews. Oh, wait, we have one more to Ooh, give away. The biggest one. The biggest one. Oh, and you know what? We were going to give away a trail camera, but this is no joke. You can go look at it. <laughs> We have 298 reviews right now, yeah. and uh, if we nothing said, changes by the time this podcast goes live, which will be very soon, uh, and when you listen to it, it will be live. Uh, if something changes at that point, then we may we may uh, be gracious towards you and send that out to somebody. But we'll see. Right it's now, probably going to be in the field by the end. So. It's, <laughs> it's at 298. Y'all, y'all tried hard, but you should have spread the word just a little bit more. That's no. all right. That's all right. Yeah, we'll you give, did. You'll get another opportunity maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe yeah. next year. Yeah, that's right. So. so so, okay, the Vortex Diamondback 10 by 42 binoculars with the lifetime warranty, the ones that I have let fly off the top of my Jeep and hit the pavement very hard and had to send back in two pieces, except you get the brand spanking new pair. The Vortex 10 by 42 binoculars goes to Flash Outdoors. Flash Outdoors. Is that like a brand or a guy? Flash Outdoors. You know that old movie? <laughs> Flash Outdoors said, great podcast, guys. I sent an email, and KC replied back with some real good info and pointers. Keep up the good work, guys. Look forward to a possible Piney Woods interview. Ooh, we'll see about that, man. If you can find us a Piney Wood expert, that would be terrific. You might you, be him. I don't know. If you can find a Piney Woods deer, I'd be proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right, Flash. Well, hit us up. We will get you your binos. Hopefully... Maybe not in time for deer season, but at least for, like, the third or fourth hunt. Yeah, maybe, we'll right? send them out quick. We're yeah. going to be home pretty soon here from this uh, um, trip that we took, and it will be in the mail as soon as you send us an address. Yeah, and I'll, I'll remind everybody, social platforms, hit us up on Insta or the Facebook. Or the elementwild.com. You can send a message there, that's right. Or yep. you can just send us a email to theelementwild at gmail.com. Yep. And so that is going to wrap it up. Thanks, guys, for all the great reviews. Man, I read through, uh, I tried to read through all of them. I'm sure at some point in the last couple weeks, especially with us being gone, um, you know, it's been it's been tough uh, to, to see them all. But uh, I appreciate all the reviews that you've given us, all the support that you guys give, the emails, obviously, that you guys are sending us and questions and stuff. We love answering that stuff. KC will write you a book back if he does write to you. So um, anyway, I guess I'm going to leave you with this real quick. Um, remember, this is your element. Living it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, 
enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.